Hi, my name is Dave. I'm a compulsive reader. Start that over. Um, I uh, <laughs> um, just to get the numbers out of the way again for the recording. Um, I, uh, I I've been abstinent about a year and a half. Um, I uh, my top weight was 350 pounds, and I've lost 80 pounds. Uh, my abstinence is no flour, no recreational sugar. Um, and I eat three meals a day without snacking in between. Um, this program has completely changed my life. It has completely changed my life. Um, so I'll, I'll just um, start at the beginning. Um, the, the format says, please keep your focus on this program, and I will, but there's no way that I can tell you my story without telling you about another program I'm in, so I'm going to have to mention that a little bit. But. Um, um, I was born in a little farming community on the Arizona-California border, Blythe, California, um, in an alcoholic family. My dad is an alcoholic. He's been in recovery for, for a very long time. Um, I don't really remember my early childhood. Um, some of my first memories are crawling around at AA meetings, so I start to remember things around the time that, that my dad got sober when I was about six years old. And um, I just remember always being in fear. Um, I was I was always afraid. Um, I was afraid of what was going to happen at home. I was afraid of the other kids at school. Um, I wasn't afraid of my mom. I really loved my mom. Um, I wasn't afraid of my sister. Um, but I was just always in fear. I was always in fear, and um, and I would always get in trouble for things. And and very early on. Those were things that revolved around food. Um, one of my earliest memories is, is stealing um, Tootsie Rolls from the principal's office. And, and my mom was a teacher, and she would, I would have to sit, I don't remember why, but I would have to sit in the car while she went into work, and then she would take me to my school. I went to a different school. And I would slip out of the car, and I would go to the principal's office, and I would steal these Tootsie Rolls, and I would go back to the car, and my heart would be racing like it is right now, you know, and I'd be like, oh, nobody caught me. And looking back on that, like, a, you know, a five or six year old sneaking around into an office like they probably all knew. But, <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, I really thought I really knew that I was doing something wrong and thought that I was getting away with it. Um, and, it, and, it and it made me feel good. It made me feel good. It changed the way that I felt in the morning, you know, getting those Tootsie Rolls before going to school and and. Um, and I, and I felt okay, and I, I felt safe with food. And when I was in junior high and I was bullied, um, you know, the kids, um, you know, kids, kids are me. And, um, and I would come home from school, and I would watch Star Trek The Next Generation, and I would eat saltines. I would get a whole sleeve of saltines, and I would eat the whole thing, and I would drink lemonade. And it was like flour, sugar, flour, sugar, flour, sugar. And then dinner time, I'd be like, "All right, let's eat." <laughs> you know, so um, this was this was you know this was my first compulsion. This was my first disease, and um, um, it thank God for it. It helped me cope. You know, once I once I got to high school and got into the drugs and alcohol, um, I turned into a a real hope to die, depressive, alcoholic, drug addict. Um, and I wasn't the kind of alcoholic and drug addict that um, goes to jail, gets arrested. I was the kind that they 
put in mental institutions on 72-hour holds and two-week holds and tried to kill myself and wanted to die on a regular basis. Um, that's, that's where this disease took me. And um, I said I can't mention, you know, I can't tell my story without mentioning that other program. Um, I, I think it's the same disease. For me, I think it's the same disease. I just want to change the way that I feel. I'm in so much fear of everything around me um, that, that I just need something to get through that. Um, I have this head in my disease that tells me that things are not going to be okay. And that goes back to my early childhood. There was always this story in my house about how something was not going to work out and we were all screwed. And like, it wasn't going to be okay. And I just was always so worried and always so fearful and like, oh my God, everything's going to fall apart and we're going to lose the farm and this and that and everything is going to go away. You know, and, and if I could just get those saltines and, <laughs> and that lemonade, like at least I would have the saltines and lemonade, you know. Um, and then, you know, if I could just get the alcohol, you know, I'll, I'll get through today. If I can just like smoke that weed, I'll get through the day. If I could just like do those drugs, I'll just get through today. And we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Like food, drugs and alcohol helped me do life one day at a time. They really did. One day at a time. I could get through the day. Um, so, um, I got sober a little less than five years ago. I'm coming up on five years in that program. And um, I went from being homeless to um, finishing college, um, having a beautiful girlfriend. Um, having a great job as a teacher. Um, my life completely transformed within like a year. Like people were like, oh my God, he's a phoenix from the ashes. Look at him. <laughs> what did you do? What did you do? And what I did was I did exactly what one man told me to do. I had this person run my life. And it worked. I had a great life, right? But after a year, I weighed 350 pounds and I was kind of miserable. Right, because someone else was making all of my decisions, and I still wasn't treating my disease with a higher power. I was still just treating my disease with food. I'm for the recording. I'm making hand motions, <laughs> food to mouth motions. So, um, sorry, I like to time myself. A little more, a little more control. <laughs> um, um, so, so after about a year of that, um, the guy said, hey man, you should probably check out this other program. I've gone in the past and, um, you know, you weigh a ridiculous amount and, and you're always eating. And, and, and when we go, when we make plans to go to dinner after the meeting, you go and stop at, you know, Jack in the Box or McDonald's and get a bunch of food before we have dinner and, and, um, you know, your, your life is still unmanageable. Um, and, so, and so, four years ago, I went to OA, and, and um, this isn't what they said, but what I heard was, if you don't eat oatmeal for breakfast and you don't go to El Pollo Loco twice a day, it's not going to cut it. <laughs> you know, and I was like, and, and so I would, I would do that for like three or four days, and then I would eat an entire box of cereal before bed, and I would wake up and feel so ashamed and think, oh my God, I did it again. And I would have so much shame and remorse. 
Um, and then and then I'd go back and they'd be like, dude, just keep eating that oatmeal, keep eating those chicken thighs and those loco salads, and you'll be all right. And um, and I know that that wasn't the message, but that's what I heard. Um, and 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 I'd get in fear, and then a couple of days would go by, and I'd, I'd eat. Like a box of grape nuts. Like, it's not easy to eat a box of grape nuts, you know? Like, it expands in your stomach, you know? And I'd pass out, and I'd wake up, and I'd still be, like, drunk and high from, from, from the carbs, you know? And, and, and I'd feel just so shameful and remorseful, and I'd go to bed, and I'd go, or I'd go to work, and I'd think, why isn't this working? I'm not going back there. And so I didn't come back for, for about two years. Um, and... Um, about a year and a half ago, um, it was the first day of summer break, and I went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you're going to die. You're not going to die tomorrow, but you're going to die from, you know, being so obese, and you might get diabetes and lose limbs, and um, if you keep going like this, it's going to be really painful. Um, he said, why don't we put you on a liquid shake diet? Um, and I said, no, I've, I've been to a place and they seem to have things figured out, so I'll try that again. So I came back to Overeaters Anonymous, and it was uh, it was summer break of 2015, and and I didn't have to work for two and a half months, so I could go to meetings every day, and I went to meetings every day. And I met my sponsor, David, and um, he said, why don't you try a few things I've tried? And um, so I've done that. So um, what is that? That's what happened. What does it look like today? Um... Step one, um, admitted we were powerless over compulsive eating and could not manage our own lives. Dash, that our lives had become unmanageable. Um, so there's two parts to the first step. Um, I'm powerless over food. When I, when I take the food away, when I take the drugs and alcohol away, I am still a compulsive overeater and I'm still a drug addict and an alcoholic. So what is that? What are the implications there? Um, what what I've learned is that that I'm mentally ill, right? That's that's all that that means. I, I still have a disease. I still have a mental illness. I still have a compulsion, and I'm going to try and treat that disease in any way that I can. And sometimes it's it's uh, if I if I buy the biggest TV, you know, I'll feel better. Sometimes it's if I get the right phone, I'll feel better. Sometimes if it's it's Sometimes it's, it's innocuous and healthy, like if I just hike one more mountain, or if I just go one more mile on this walk, or if I just ride one more, you know, length of the ocean on the bike, like, I'll, you know, I'll be okay inside. Um, but, um, you know, that's, that's not the case. And um, so, you know, my life being unmanageable, it's, it's not just that, it's unmanageable with food. Um, you know, the food's not, not really a problem anymore. I eat three times a day, and, and I don't eat recreational sugar or flour, and, like, if I stick to that, things are okay. Um, I, don't, I don't put drugs and alcohol into my body. So that's, that's, that's been arrested as well. Um, so, so that part of my life is, is no longer unmanageable, but my life is still very unmanageable. Um, I still have... A long list of character defects. You know, I still I still want to fight with people all the time. I still go to work, and if someone makes a suggestion, I take it as a threat and become incredibly defensive. 
um, you know, I, I can't. I can't get down the 405 into Orange County without flipping someone off or screaming at someone, or, or um, you know, the, and those things are, are those things can become completely unmanageable, and those things are, are symptoms of an unmanageable life, you know, and and so where do those behaviors come from? Well, those behaviors are usually following like these gut feelings, and these gut feelings are usually following some thinking that is that is pretty unmanageable, some thinking that is rooted in um, you know, 34 years of, of things aren't going to be okay. You know, thir- you know, a, a childhood that I don't really remember where nothing was okay. Um, from external voices saying, if you don't do this, you aren't going to be okay. And then internalizing that and saying, if I don't do this, I'm not going to be okay. And, um, and so I, uh, you know, I have a very, very negative negative thought life and and so how do I treat that well step two says we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity no no you know I, I didn't have God when I when I got here when I got sober um, I, uh, I I went to church every day and I thought you know if I get on my knees I'll uh, you know I'll get this God thing and um, and and Sarah and I went to Italy for a wedding, and I, and I went to the Vatican, and I was like, if I'm going to find that God, it'll be here, <laughs> right? And still, just like, just like, no reliance on a higher power, you know, no reliance on a higher power at all. Um, so, so my sponsor said, well, why don't you try, why don't you try talking to that God? Okay. Um, um, and, and so um, I prayed for willingness to be willing to believe that there was something out there looking after me that I could talk to that would help me um, and that was you know a, an opening that was a little crack that I could walk through um, and um, and I and so this is when I got to OA, and so I went around and I asked people, like, how do you pray? And um, some people said, you know, I pray, uh, God help me, God protect me from my thinking, God help me find people that I can be of service to, God help me do this, help me do that. And I thought, that sounds like the rantings of a crazy person. Um, but I was willing to try it because I was in some pain in my head, you know, and, and um, I, uh, I had a lot of negative thinking. And so I, so I tried it, and I, I would get up and I would pray, God help me today, help me find people to help, help protect me from negative thinking, help me to do your will. Um, and I would go out into the world, and I would go to work, and those kids would be crazy, and I'd want to scream, and I'd say, God, can you help me like, be of service to these children so that I can be an effective teacher and be of service to you? And like, it would like... Lower my heart rate, you know, and like I'd be able to like think a little more clearly, and then I'd be of service, and like it'd, it'd be a little more clear. Um, and um, and and I, I've just I've continued to do that, um, and and it's worked. And and so whether there is a God or not, like I. 
for me, I have to look at that the same way that I hear a lot of people say that in here about like their weight. Like it's just none of my business. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, when I get on the scale, it, it doesn't matter what that number is. It doesn't matter if there's really a God. Um, what matters is that um, I'm able to talk to something that I believe is greater than myself that can come into my life and help direct and guide me. Um, and, and, and it's completely changed my life. Um, character defects are like fingernails. They continue to grow, and they'll probably continue to grow after I die, right? <laughs> like hair and fingernails. And, um, and so they, they, they continue to pop up. And, um, and so I, I have to be constantly going through the steps and um, identifying them and um, giving them to God and asking that they, that they be relieved. Um, you know, it's, it's not perfect. My abstinence isn't perfect. My life isn't perfect. Um, but um, I have a really, really good life because of Overeaters Anonymous. I have a really, really good life. Um, it... Is that five? Okay. Um, it... Um, Um, getting 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 sober gave me gave me a life. Um, getting abstinent gave me a connection with a God, and um, I couldn't have gotten one without the other, and, and vice versa. You know, and 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 it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't matter what came first, the chicken or the egg. What 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 really matters is that I have some kind of connection today, right? I have a connection with other human beings. Um, I have a connection with a higher power, um, and I don't rely on old negative thoughts. Um, you know, I'm, I'm able to look at myself and say, um, before being a compulsive overeater, before being a drug addict, before being a man, um, before being a tall person, and before being heavy, like I, I'm just a human being, right? And like, and like we all we all evolve the same way. Like if 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 I wasn't uncomfortable throughout the day, like I wouldn't clothe myself, find shelter, have sex with people, and and feed myself, right? Like, that's how human beings work. We're uncomfortable. And so we, we go out and, and we look for things to fix that. And so today, when I get into that negative thinking and when I get into the, that, those compulsive behaviors and when I get into my character defects and when I get into looking at outside things to fix, you know, that that... that that God's eyes hole we say around here, I can look at that and go, I'm just a human being. That's just what human beings do. It's okay today. You know, I have a program today that if I follow it, I'll have some relief from that. Um, and and I, I don't have a pain-free life, but I don't suffer like I used to. You know, um, I suffered for years and years and years, and I wanted to die, and I tried to take my life on a number of occasions, and um, wow, what a miracle! Like the life that I have today. I live two blocks away. I walked here this morning. Like it, I was homeless five years ago. Like it's 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 amazing. I I am so grateful for this program. I am I um, I'm so grateful that I have a higher power today. Um, I'm so grateful for the people in my life. Like thank you. 
Um, there, I still have a few minutes, but that's, that's really all I have. So thank you. All right, this is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please, please remember that the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of overeaters as a whole. That is true. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember, uh, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. Okay, restate the question, Robin. Thank you Sorry. so much. Uh, you talked about your temper regarding amends to others and to yourself. What's that about? How do you do that today? The question was, I mentioned my temper. Um, what are what what is what do amends look like in my life? Um, um, when when I'm when I'm wrong, I, I promptly admit it as as quickly as I can. Um, when it involves other people, um, I so I said earlier that um, I you know I had this person run my life for a year and that it completely changed my life and and I've kind of moved on from that and found a higher power. There there is a lot of power in that having someone else make decisions for you. And, and so, um, you know, I still rely on what, asking other people, what should I do? Um, you know, and, and that's a part of amends. Hey, I've wronged you. Um, how can I make this right? Um, uh, I, the, the, a few of the most valuable words, uh, one of the most valuable phrases in the English language is you might be right. And, and, um, and I was told in my first year of sobriety that I was to say, you might be right, instead of arguing with people. Um, and um, it's not a practice that, that I've really kept as much since, you know, I was told, like, you have to do this every day or I'm going to fire you. But, um, but I still do that, you know. If I get into it with someone, I, I, I can notice that, you know, my heart's going and I'm angry and then I can say, you know what, you might be right and walk away. Um, and and that, that works at work. That works in my personal life, although I'd probably say it in my personal life less. Sorry. Um, I, uh, it, it works with my family, you know, with, with my dad and my mom and my sister. It, 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 it works. It's changed my life. And, and when I don't do that, um, I come back to them as soon as I can. And, and I say, I'm sorry, what, what would you like me to do to make this right? Um, and, and sometimes the shame of that is enough to keep me from repeating that behavior for some time until, uh, until I forget. And once again, you know, get back into those character defects. Yeah. Uh, you talked about getting relief from the numbers on the scale. Yeah. Um, was that more instantaneous for you as part of the steps, or was it more of a process you wanted to um, did I lose weight immediately, or was it more of a process? No, um, not lose, not lose weight. Get peace. Get peace around the numbers on the scale. Yeah, you got it. Okay. Yeah. No. So I didn't lose weight for the first three months, and I was really angry, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was right. You know, I, the the people who said El Pollo Loco was the way to go, they were right too, and um, you know, this is you know, a bunch of BS, and, and I was mad, and um, and then around the three-month mar- mark, like, it just started, like, 
coming off, you know. And, um, and I would go and I would get on the scale and I would just be like, yes, this feels so good. And as it like started to taper off, I started to get scared and that fear started to come back. And, I, and, and I'd be like, God, you know, like now that I'm not losing the weight, like what? So now what? You know, and, and that's when that's when I really became willing to like make that connection with a higher power that I talked about because I realized like this this number is not going to fall forever, you know, and um, and and so I, I've got to do I've got to find something else, um, and and so I I don't get on the scale anymore. I, I haven't really gotten on the scale in about four or five months. Um, I, you know, I don't, that's what's right right now. I don't know if that'll be what's right forever, but um, that's what's right for me right now. Because um, if, if I got on and, and I had gained three or four pounds, it'd make me angry and I'd restrict. And if I, had, if I got on and it said I'd lost five pounds, I'd go and eat a, get an order of french fries with my salad, you know, like. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. Do I still actively work both programs? And if so, how do I balance that with the rest of my life? Um, I get a lot of time off from work, and I go to a lot of meetings when I have time off from work. Um, I go to AA during the week, and I go to OA during the weekend, and I have a service and I have a service commitment in both programs. Yeah. Um, when you gave up the food, did you go through a withdrawal? And if so, what did that feel like? Um, if I, when I gave up the food, did I go through a withdrawal? And if so, what did that feel like? Um, um, the short answer is no. Um, when I had tried the um, El Pollo Loco abstinence, I keep calling it. I should find another way to refer to that. Um, it's not fair to that company because I still eat there. I love El Pollo Loco. That's great. Um, I, when I when I tried that, I did notice I had headaches and I was angry all the time, um, and um, and it was really painful. And that was one of the reasons I kept going to you know boxes and boxes of cereal. Um, this time, no, I didn't have headaches. I didn't. Um, I didn't. I don't know. I didn't have. I mean, I've I've kicked before. I didn't. I didn't have anything like that. Yeah. It sounded like your first sponsors. Um, so the question was what's um, I, it sounds like I didn't have what I needed with my first sponsor and, and, and I found a positive relationship with a sponsor what what did, what did that look like to get that right um, so so just to like amend the premise a little bit um, that that is what I needed I, I I, I couldn't get along with anyone. I couldn't keep a job. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have any money in a bank account. I had mountains of debt. I hadn't finished college. Like I needed someone to run my life, and and that's what I needed. And um, and I'm really really grateful for that man. Um, but that man didn't. That man didn't have a higher power. And he used to say. Um, he used to say, you know, there, there's a place for atheists here, and I still, be, I still believe that. Like, I still really, really believe that because I still don't know if I, you know, have a higher power. If I believe in a higher power, um, 
but um, with, uh, with, with decades of sobriety, that, that man slipped away from the program and, and got loaded. And, um, and, I, and, I, and, I lo- and I love him very much. Like, I can say that about another man. Say, I love that man because he completely changed my life and he, he gave me the 12 steps. Um, and and he, let, he taught me that what was going on with me wasn't that I was detoxing. It wasn't that I wanted to drink again. It was that my thinking was broken and that my thinking was false. And that if I just share my thinking with another human being, they can point out the errors in that. Um, and so when I came to OA, um, I was kind of looking for somebody that had that same kind of strain that like this this disease is in our heads and not in our in our bellies. Um, and um, when I heard my sponsor share about you know the disease being alive and well within him, I was like, oh yeah, that's the guy. <laughs> um, so that's how that's how I found the sponsor. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if you have any kind of structured prayer and meditation practice that you Okay. Um, do I have any kind of structured prayer and meditation practice? Um, so I'm working on step 11 right now. Um, I, like I said, I pray throughout the day. Um, I don't get up and get on my knees and pray. Um, it's usually, by the time I get in the shower, I'm arguing with people who aren't there. They're, <laughs> that are like in their showers and going to work, you know, also. And, um, and so that's when I think like, oh, hey... God, can you help me with this? I don't want to. I don't want to think about so and so right now. Can you just give me a little relief from that um, and help me focus on, you know, where I can be of service today and how I can help people? As far as meditation, um, that is a work in progress. I've done it every day for a couple weeks now, and um, it's, you know, it's it's cool. I notice my breathing more throughout the day. I'm more present. I remember to pray more throughout the day. Um, I've been doing 10 minutes in the morning. Um, I have my students meditate for five minutes at the beginning of every class period, so that's nice to like have that like five minutes of just like peace and quiet. So, yeah. Um, I get the feeling that you kind of sometimes enjoy this negative anger that comes up and blows up inside of you. Um, so the question was you appear to be addicted to anger um, and, um, what does it feel like to have positive thoughts um, yeah 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 anger and anger and fear are addictive right what, the first thing I said when I stood up I don't know if the recording was going then but my heart is pounding and it feels good right um being angry is comfortable and it was like anger and fear and pain were like the first things I remember about life and they're really easy to go back to and they're comfortable and I can relate to other human beings in anger right um what does it feel to have positive thoughts um different it feels um it feels it feels like there probably is a God, right? Like, it feels spiritual. It feels like like, like my head is, is kind of buzzing a little bit and, and I have a little bit of peace. It feels like what I used to get from a lot of 
food or a lot of sugar or a lot of drugs and alcohol. It feels, you know, kind of euphoric and peaceful and like my heart slows down and I think like, okay, like things are going to be okay. You know, it, it feels, feels pretty good. Um, um, you know, but that also brings up like, I don't want to get stuck in the cycle of like getting angry and then being like, oh, I'm so sorry. And then being like super angry and being like, oh, I'm so sorry, right? Like that's just the carousel and I don't want to get on the carousel. I just want to, I just, um, you know, I want to move more towards, towards that. Yeah. I do when things are not okay. Um, mm, I, I turn my thinking to God and how I can be of service to other people. Um, I get on the phone and I make phone calls. Um, that is something that I've really struggled with, picking up the phone. I've struggled with that for the last five years. Um, it's been really hard to connect with other people. You know, my background is like isolation and um, being alone, and I like that, and that's comfortable. Um, and so, getting close to other people really, really helps when things aren't great. Um, I, I can't, but I'm not. I, I don't want to stand up here and say I've had a lot of trials and tribula- tribulations in, in sobriety and in abstinence because I just haven't. Um, not a lot of bad stuff has happened to me in the last five years. Um, so uh, I, I, I do have faith that, like, so I said earlier that, that I was raised Catholic and, and I've kind of gone away from that and, and decided to, to go with, with um, a different religion for the foreseeable future. And, and so with that, there's, there's this idea that, like, bad stuff is going to happen. Um, and, and it's just our do- job to show up and be present and to, to um, strive towards justice, right? And so um, it says in the big book on page, oh man, I don't want to even say the page number because I don't want to get it wrong. But um, it says that the foundation um, of your recovery is helping others. It doesn't say the foundation of your recovery is helping other alcoholics. It doesn't say the foundation of your recovery is helping compulsive overeaters. It just says the foundation of your recovery is helping others. So, like, I really believe with every, like, essence of my being that if I help other people, um, I'll be okay. And, like, people are going to get sick. People are going to die. Um, there's going to be financial crises. Um, you know, the... Stuff happens, right? Like bad things are going to happen in life. Um, but if I keep showing up and help other people, like I'll, I'll be okay. Um, so I, I try and turn my th- thoughts towards who I can help when when I feel really bad. Is that fine? Okay. Yeah. Uh, step eight, we're asked to make a list. If we forget about the actual making of them. Uh-huh. Yeah. How do you? Um, I went through my fourth step and um, wrote down everyone from my fourth step who I owed amends to. And then um, I go through everyone who I didn't resent that I 
that I owe things to. Um, I I don't remember some of it, um, so I I stole a lot when I was out there. So um, I I. I usually typically didn't resent those people that I stole from, so I made sure to m- that they were on the list, um, and um, that'll be a multi-year process. Yeah? Um, I've spent a long time struggling with, you know, uh, how to actually get the, get the abstinence to be something I can commit to. <clears throat> it's difficult with food, obviously, because you, you have to find out what that is for you. Yeah. How, do you how do you find out what it is for you, and then... How did you actually commit to, to that? Um, how did I find out what what it, what my abstinence was and then commit to that? Um, made a list of red light food, yellow light food, green light foods. I um, because of my previous experience with eating, you know, chicken and salad for lunch and dinner, and oatmeal for breakfast. I, I knew that a lot of people talked about not eating flour and sugar, so I thought I'd try that. Because um, you know, with the saltines and the lemonade, like I knew that that was a problem, so um, I kind of put that stuff down. Um, the rest has been a process. Um, it wasn't until literally two weeks ago in here when Aaron was speaking, and I, I was like, oh my god, like sometimes it is the food, and I can't. I, like, I can't eat chips anymore. This is terrible. And I texted David in the middle of this meeting. Like, I, dude, chips are not working for me anymore. i got to stop eating, eating potato chips and tortilla chips. Um, so, so that stuff has, has been a process. But I, I really do believe it's, it's from, when you're really heavy, it's about the food. And it feels like it's about the food. And it feels like it's about the number on the scale. But I, I really believe it's not about the food. It's not about the number on the scale um, and I was told that early and I didn't necessarily believe it until the weight did come off so I can see why that might seem a little hypocritical um, um, but this program's experiential like it's it's not about the food it's about a little bit of peace of mind in my head um, so if I, if I can get to an abstinence that gives me a little bit of peace of mind that I don't have to spend all day thinking about the food um, then, then that really helps me and, and then just um, you know, praying for willingness on that. Um, if I do start thinking, what am I going to have for dinner? Like, um, hey, God, I'm thinking about dinner. Can you help me think about something else? That, that's really helped me lately. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I shared it with a sponsor, um, and then um, I um, don't eat the red light foods. Um, I try not to eat the yellow light foods too much. It took me a year and a half to give up the potato chip yellow light. So, you know, um, turn that into a red light. Um, um, but uh, I text my food to my sponsor every day at the end of the day. I don't commit to it before. I just I tried that before. I just I just had a lot of fear and a lot of shame when I couldn't stick exactly to it. So I, I let go of that. And I I'd probably be a lot skinnier if 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 I did. But I is that the point? You know, is that the point here? I you know the, the literature says um, you know the purpose of of this is to have a spiritual experience and then to help other people. 
Um, so, yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. Service. Okay. Um, yeah, service. Um, so I, I I try and have an AA and an OA commitment. I do sponsor. Um, right now, I, I get sponsees and they go out. I'm still, you know, I'm still new, so that's what happens, right? Um, I don't know. I try and give that to God. So my time's up. Thank you. <laughs>